Welcome to Digging In with the Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Janet Adkison, and we are joined by Missouri Farm Bureau President Garrett Hawkins. And President Hawkins, you had a busy week last week, uh, several different directions going on, but that's pretty much part of the course. It is. It was a great week, though. Any any time, Janet, that we have members in the building, uh, it's always a great day or week. In this instance, uh, we kicked off our annual policy development process uh, by having our state resolutions committee uh, in the home office for about a day and a half to to start the discovery process, if you will, of talking to state and federal leaders and and starting to to craft questions that go out to our members uh, here in a in the summer issue of Show Me. Missouri Farm Bureau magazine. So that was that was a good portion of the week. <laughs> and you know, this was my first chance to sit in on the open hearing process. I've I've had the chance to witness the delegate session at the convention, the state convention before, but the open hearing process, that was really interesting, a lot of good conversation. Uh, and a lot of good conversation that I myself was able to learn from as well, too. So uh, I definitely appreciate that process and having the chance to participate and witness as well. Uh, it's funny that this took place because not only uh, during the open hearing process, did you guys break down a lot of issues and topics relevant to Missouri farmers and ranchers in our rural communities, but that was then followed by the actual <laughs> process of why we do this. Uh, you had a big invitation issued, kind of a kind of a last minute sort of thing. Yeah, the Public Service Commission uh, this past or this last week uh, took up Invenergy's application to amend its certificate of convenience and necessity for the Grain Belt Express high voltage uh, direct current transmission line. That is a mouthful. Say that five times. It is. So essentially what was discussed by the PSC or what arguments were presented uh, were arguments regarding Tiger Connector, which is uh, in Benergy, that company's pivot from its original plan of how they were going to build out the Grain Belt Express. Last summer, they decided that they were going to change and drop more power in Missouri by uh, changing the route and putting in the Tiger Connector from Monroe uh, County down to Callaway County. And so this all came about last summer after passage of HB 2005, which really was a, a a milestone in our fight to reform and bolster private property rights in the state. And so this is a lengthy process now that led to the culmination of this hearing, and then there'll be closing briefings, et cetera, as a part of the Public Service Commission's process. That's a lot to say right there. <laughs> it's a lot to say, it's a lot to comprehend. And I also wanna point out, I mean, I know that you guys have talked about this for a number of years so folks across the state are aware but at the same time this is primarily impacting north missouri so for those in southern missouri who may not necessarily be tied in with the whole process or project give us a little background about where this whole bring about express actually got started and how far back does it go well janet it goes back about a decade and that was when uh, the Grain Belt Express project was hatched by a private for-profit out-of-state company that uh, 
when it first proposed the project, wanted to use Missouri essentially as pass-through country uh, to get wind energy, electricity that's derived from wind farms out in western Kansas to move it along a high-voltage transmission line across to the Illinois-Indiana border and then get it into um, the grid for the eastern seaboard, essentially to get uh, this quote unquote green energy to, <laughs> uh, to the coastal elites, if you will, who are wanting uh, to be able to say that their, their homes or high rises are powered with green energy. So that's where it all started. And, and it took the company three times to eventually get a CCN or Certificate of Convenience and Necessity from the Public Service Commission to be able to move forward. All along the way, Missouri Farm Bureau, Missouri Cattlemen's and our allied ag partners, as well as the Missouri Landowners Association have opposed the project. In part or in large part, because you're talking about a for-profit private out-of-state company that ultimately um, was given the authority of eminent domain to condemn farmland uh, to take it for private gain. And that's really the argument that's been our uh, problem all along, uh, was that the intent originally was never to serve Missourians. And only after they kept running into problems with the PSC did the company ever amend its uh, initial proposal to say that they would drop a minuscule amount of power in Missouri to try to check a box. And so now you fast forward a decade, uh, you have the company that is wanting to amend its initial proposal to amend its initial proposal now to uh, put in a converter station, uh, to change its original plan, to, to, to then put a spur down through mid-Missouri. So ultimately they say they are still planning to go across Illinois to the Indiana line, but this would now be the first phase. Am I correct in recalling a lot of the conversations uh, here of late bringing me up to date on things that the initial phase they did not intend to drop electricity in Missouri at all. Yeah, it was only going to be a minuscule amount. And yeah. that was that played a part in their rejection by the PSC uh, in their first attempt. And ultimately, they struck a deal uh, with, I think, about 39 communities in Missouri to to be able to drop power so that they could say that they're getting some electricity, some low cost electricity uh, derived from, quote unquote, green energy sources. So but at the end of the day, it's still a drop in the bucket. And we would still argue that that by and large, the project doesn't benefit Missourians. It may benefit a very few um, now, uh, but it truly we have always questioned whether the project truly is for the benefit of all Missourians. And, and unfortunately, as they have gone through the process, you see where they have been given approval. And, and unfortunately, you have Missouri landowners and farmers who are going to bear the brunt of these structures uh, on their property if the project actually comes to fruition. And it also is my understanding that along the way that they have um, claimed that they have worked with the agriculture community to try and get some of this accomplished along the way. But it sounds like also that that's uh, not necessarily the case. 
I mean, we've butted heads <laughs> uh, along with our other al agriculture allies uh, through the years um, with regard to the project. And ultimately, you know, we fought in the legislature year after year after year to try to stop the project. Um, last year in the 2022 legislative session, we were able to enact House Bill 2005, which led to some of the most significant reforms we've seen in the states in the domain statutes since 2006. Uh, one of those provisions um, basically put in a floor uh, for agricultural land that's acquired through eminent domain to put a floor of 150% uh, of market value, knowing that it's never going to be enough for a landowner who doesn't want to sell their property, right? There is no amount of money to make that right. But we at least raise the floor uh, in an effort to build from there. The legislature also said that for any new high voltage transmission lines coming through the state from that point forward, that they needed to drop a proportional amount of electricity in the state um, uh, based on how many miles of line are in Missouri, right? So, so trying to get at the fact that we've got to raise the bar to make sure that Missourians actually benefit from these transmission projects. So, so those were two of the provisions. So you had that happen. Literally the governor signed it into law on June 10th. And then only a few weeks later, Invenergy comes out and announces that they want to amend <laughs> uh, their original plan and, and put a new spur line in Missouri. And right off the bat, we and our ag partners um, cried foul and said, okay, you know what, the legislature has spoken on this issue. This should be a separate project. You should not be able to amend the original CCN. And by gosh, you should have to abide by House Bill 2005. Um, so, you know, that's been a back and forth. And that's been part of the discussion as they have gone through the PSC process with their proposed amendment It is the, the interplay with House Bill 2005. Are you suspicious that they had this uh, sitting in their pocket from the beginning. Well, I mean, clearly you don't um, you don't uh, propose a spur and a major change of project like that without having given some thought and economic analysis to it, right? So it's unfortunate it wasn't part of the uh, conversation, but we don't control that. Um, but what we can control is, you know, what we do to push back and to fight for the interests and the rights of farmers and landowners who live, who live along the proposed corridor. And, and that's truly what my message to the Public Service Commission was all about uh, last week, was trumpeting the fact that, that as you talk about this power of eminent domain, it should be taking, taken absolutely seriously when you're talking about infringing on someone's civil liberty to, to acquire a piece of property. In this case, what our members have said over and over again, Janet, is that, that this is a project that they don't support. And we're talking about property being taken that they don't want to sell for a, to a company that they, they don't want to do business with. And they certainly uh, don't want to have to look at and work around these structures for the rest of their working lifetimes and the rest of their children's working lifetimes. It's important as we go through this process to remind folks that, you know, it's not 
the company representatives uh, or others who are supporting the project who are going to look out their windows and see these structures every day or have to work around these structures every day. You're talking about farmers and landowners who are bearing the brunt, who are being told they're going to bear the brunt for this quote unquote clean energy that they want to, to move um, across the country. And what folks don't understand is that there is it, there is tremendous burden associated with that when you think about how it impacts your day-to-day -day operations on the farm, how you use technology, et cetera. You have to worry about uh, interruption uh, if and when the project comes to fruition and what that does, how that interrupts you, but also the ongoing maintenance that's involved with such a project. So what we have done over and over again, if our members read everything that we have submitted, we have been very vocal over and over again that we just don't agree with the premise that it's right for a for-profit, private, out-of-state entity to be able to come in and, and to take Missouri farmland for their own private gain with very little benefit to Missourians. So as we mentioned, you testified that was on Thursday that you had the chance to share your thoughts with the Public Service Commission. Do you feel like, first of all, they were receptive? You know, we had the chance to actually uh, respond to questions from uh, the commissioners. Actually, it's an interesting process, Janet, for, the, for someone that's never participated. It's not easy. You know, we are we are a party um, uh, and essentially have petitioned our way to be engaged in the process by filing briefs. Uh, in this case, I am the witness on behalf of Missouri Farm Bureau. So it's not like a legislative hearing, per se. It's more like a court hearing. And so as a witness, when I was called forward, you're sworn in. Uh, the commissioners themselves that represent the PSC have the opportunity to ask questions. But then uh, those who are party to, to this process, so attorneys for Grain Belt and others, have the chance to cross-examine various witnesses. So I, I sat in the audience and listened to the cross-examination of the Public Service Commission staff who had done analysis for the project. And then when I came forward, I had the chance to to take questions from, uh, I guess, three of the public service commissioners uh, who had questions about our rebuttal testimony that we had submitted. So, you know, many of our folks, we talk about PSC reform oftentimes to try to level the playing field and bolster the voice of landowners. And now uh, I've had the chance to sit in that witness chair and to experience so firsthand during this hearing setting, what it's like. And I have to tell you, it's always humbling when I have the chance to represent our members. And in this case, you know, for members who are sitting in the audience and watching online, you know, I, I always pray that the Lord gives me the words to, to use, to, to speak, uh, to share not only my heart, but to share the concerns and the frustration that I hear over and over again from our members. So I just always pray that that I'm given the words to be able to convey that, uh, particularly in this setting, because this project, as I've said, has been going on a decade and, and truly it has taken a toll on many of our farm families. Now, where does this go from here? They, I know in the hearing they said that they wanted to wrap up testimony that day. So, so they did. They wrapped up testimony um, at the end of that day that I testified. So on Thursday, 
And so what's going to happen now is the court reporter or the reporter uh, that sat through all the hearing, typing uh, all the testimony, all that will be typed out and sent to the parties so that legal counsel uh, for the various entities can review and essentially present their final briefs to the, to go to the Public Service Commission. So it may be sometime this fall that we hear uh, ultimately what the Public Service Commission's uh, decision is. Like I said, certainly this is not a uh, quick process. When you think about this amendment was first uh, started being discussed in July, and I think things were presented to the PSC uh, maybe at the end of August or somewhere in there. So it is a lengthy regulatory process. Absolutely. So uh, now we're back to the situation that we often are, even with the legislative process of hurry up and wait. Hurry up and wait. That's right. You know, and something, Janet, that I didn't mention, you know, it was interesting for the other parties, you know, for the rebuttal testimony that we submit, uh, we actually heard directly from the Sierra Club uh, oh, that yeah. wanted to, that, yeah, that wanted to drill down into my testimony and ask for, uh, ask some pretty pointed questions of Missouri Farm Bureau uh, and our position about grid resilience and, uh why we feel that Missourians by and large won't benefit from the project. So to our members who are listening, uh, uh, I want you to know that uh, obviously we're doing something right. When we get the attention of the Sierra Club and they want to poke back at our testimony, but it gives us the chance to reinforce yet again of why this organization since 1915 has stood for private property rights. And let's also add to that that uh... You know, you were representing uh, Missouri's farmers and ranchers, the agricultural groups that are here in the Shoei State, but also, um, you know, private landowners who are and are not members of the Missouri Farm Bureau. Hit on that as far as going to bat. Well, you know, when you talk about going to bat, Janet, you, you don't take lightly um, the responsibility that's associated with serving as president of this organization. You know, Missouri Farm Bureau represents, you know, every type and um, size of farm operation when you think about the diversity of our membership. And, and you know, I <laughs> when I was finished yesterday, within 10 minutes, I received a few text messages from members uh, who were watching on live stream. I received an email from a landowner in Callaway County um, who express gratitude who have been watching online who is dealing with um, the threat of encroachment from a solar development and, and it was a reminder you know president cruz always used to say at any given time one of us represents all of us and and in that case yesterday i did my best to try to express the frustration that i have heard over and over again from our members and, and others outside of Farm Bureau, the frustration with this project. And that's why that's why uh, we continue to carry that to the legislature, uh, why we worked again this past session uh, to to work on public service commission reform, while we work while we work to clarify statutes with regard to solar and wind projects to make sure that those projects don't have the power of eminent domain. That's why we continue to foster these conversations and push for reforms, because we know more protections are needed, um, not just for Farm Bureau members, but Missourians as a whole. 
And so our work never ends, but I think this is a good reminder that Farm Bureau is serving um, our members and the public at large in every arena that we possibly can, whether it's in uh, the General Assembly or whether it's in the regulatory arena through the Public Service Commission, or yes, even in the courts, when you think about the work that American Farm Bureau does, and when we have the chance to partner with them on key cases like Sackett versus EPA and uh, the challenge to Prop 12, those are all the ways that Farm Bureau works to, to protect and promote our interests each and every day. Wonderful. Well, Garrett, as always, thanks for taking the time to chat with us here this week. Uh, to wrap things up, I'm also going to give a quick shout out. You know, you talk about representing Missouri's farmers and ranchers, large and small. There's a, a good opportunity coming up for folks of all sizes to kind of come together that are looking to generate some revenue for the farm. That is the Missouri Agritourism Conference. That is coming up in July. Now, that is going to be July 17th and 18th. That'll be actually the 16th through the 18th. So that's Sunday through Tuesday, and it will kick off there in Excelsior Spring. So another good opportunity to connect with some other folks in the ag industry. Again, we've been talking with Garrett Hawkins. He is president of the Missouri Farm Bureau, joining us on this week's podcast, Digging In.